It's Monday again, Grace. Monday, Monday, Monday. Where are you? I am at the Doyle Hotel, the famous Doyle Hotel, along the Appalachian Trail in Duncannon, Pennsylvania. What makes it famous? Um, it has been around a long time. It's a hostel that has always been very well. It's a hostel and a restaurant that's always been very welcoming to Appalachian Trail hikers. Gotcha. All right. We have a lot to talk about. You, you ready to get started? I'm ready to get started. Oh my gosh. 47. All right, here we go. It's episode 47, number 47. And for that, there are no rhymes. So let's just start the podcast podcast and talk about fun times. I'm Eric Idiot Renner Kosek. And I'm Grace Hot Pants Langheim. Eric is all business in the front of the pack, and I am all about the party in the back. That's right. Business up front and party in the back. Together, we are the Running Mullet. And we are going to talk about every aspect of running, the podium to the DNF and everything in between. If you are a runner, this show is for you. Now sit back, get out your foam roller, and enjoy the party. That's a nice scarf you have. I'm Grace. I'm nice to everybody. Uh, I make fun of Eric for no reason. Uh, I I like to read read race reports. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great depiction of me. I Good job. That was, I I try to do that all day long. For those that aren't they're they're listening after the fact and not live. I'm wearing her jacket and scarf. Because <clears throat> I left my jacket and my scarf. Um, because I was up at your house over the weekend. How was your weekend, Eric? Oh, it was great. My weekend was great. The idiot runner event happened, the sadistic idiot. Mm -hmm. We finally mm -hmm. got a hundred mile finisher up here for one of my races. Insane. Insane. Dude is nuts. I, I he he has no brain. I don't know. Crazy. Crazy. Adam Russell went 101 miles. Um couple other people went 50 miles. It was a pretty mm -hmm. fun day. I think you had fun, didn't you? I had so much fun. I wanted, my goal was, my hope, my big hope was to be somewhere between 20 and 40 miles. I didn't want to put too many miles in knowing that I was going to be hitting the Appalachian Trail <clears throat> today and tomorrow. And so I ended up with 23 and I was really happy with that. And I mean, you you know this. One of the biggest goals of the weekend is to make a friend. And I made new friends. So that was important. I got to see old friends. It is um, it is the anniversary of when we met because that's where we met back in 2020. Yeah, it's a good year. Yeah, this was the this was the um, eleventh event. I have two every year, one in the winter, one in yeah. the summer. So this was mm -hmm. start of year six, I guess that makes it. Yeah, something like that. But that's it's crazy. It's been going on that long. So wild! It's such a good weekend, and I'm coming off of all of that happiness, and then um, enjoying a little adventure on the AT today and tomorrow and we also have a awesome guest what more could you want yeah so tell everybody what exactly you did today i so i'm i'm doing you know back it on up bag it bag it bag it up uh i'm doing a, a bigger project which i started in 2020 to complete a collection of trails that all connect the mason dixon the conestoga the brandywine which are all complete the horseshoe trail which i haven't completed yet and there is a 55 mile section of the Appalachian Trail that <clears throat> connects into all of these trails. So they're all like one, one, one little blob connection of trails. And so I'm doing this 55 mile section. Um, I didn't initially plan to do it in the winter. <laughs> I was gonna do it in the fall with friends. And now I'm doing it in the winter with um, up to 12 inches of snow with no, nobody 
who's gone through it ahead of me in some sections and a 30 pound pack. So that that's not how I intended to do it, but that's what I'm doing. And it's been a lot of fun. It sounds like fun. It's better than work. 12 inches of snow still, it's better than working, right? Exactly. The sun was out today and oh man, it and the birds were out and it's beautiful in the snow. I, I'm having a great day. How many double decker uh, cream pies did you eat? I only ate one, um, but I bought another one at the gas station just now. So I did have one. I was going to wait to have it tomorrow. Um, but I was, I was in a spot where I needed some energy and I had it in reserve and I, it was the one from Angie that she sent me and, uh, came in handy. So thanks Angie. Nice. Gave you superpower. Yeah. Did you see my blanket skirt? I did. Yes. So I have, um, Callie Genzel. She made me, uh, it's a blanket, but you can wear it as a skirt. And I wore it all day today <laughs> and it worked great. Just so you well, know. I, lo I love that idea. What I'm wondering is, can you incorporate that into a towel also? So a towel mm -hmm. that, can be, that can be used as a blanket and mm -hmm. you can also make into a skirt like you guys have it. You got, you're probably onto something there. Well, Orange Mud has a towel that you can wear as a skirt. Wow. I have one that my friend uh, Lacey gave to me, which is great. And you can also hook it over um the the headrest of your car so you don't make your car all gross but I, i'm drying it right now this gotcha. is my that's my um my blanket skirt or skirt blanket i don't know which one but <clears throat> it worked out great today so i had my base layers and then i had my blanket skirt kept me toasty well, maybe a towel blanket skirt with my face on it to be different and, and sell more of them would work. I don't know. <laughs> that, you know, it, it, I don't know that we could make enough. No, they'd sell. People would like it so much. All right, Grace. <laughs> Who do we got on tonight? We're going to have Carl on. I am really excited to have Carl Perkins. Because one of the reasons why is because, um, you know, I love running his races. I've run Funt um, two, three times, something like that. I've been volunteering for the past three years. I love volunteering for his races or for, for Funt in particular. And I think, I think hands down, it is, it is probably, there's a lot of great race directors out there and I don't want to, <clears throat> I don't want to not include anybody, but he's, he might be number one on my list. He's just so good. And as a race director, we thought we would have him on talk a little bit about so the sports that he's had over the years. Directing race directing this he's been around for a long time, but he's been race directing for ten years. All right, you're breaking up a little, just so you know. I don't know if there's anything you can do, but your audio is breaking up and your your visual video is very slow and blocky. So I don't know. Do what you can. Well, he's awesome. Also, trans rock. Just talk really, really slow. <laughs> All right. All right. Carl, I'm going to bring you on. Hopefully, sure, yeah. Hopefully she can figure out what's going on. Thanks for being on tonight. Oh gosh, my pleasure. Totally my pleasure. I'm not sure I can, uh, you know, uh, get into the shoes that she's built built me up to. Grace has kind of inflated my ego. Then some last week she was talking about me, and then listening to her talk here, I, 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 I only hope that I'm I'm half as good as she's she's uh, led everybody to believe. So, so let's give us the background because I'm not, I don't know the answer. How, how long, how many years have you been race directing fun? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's, uh, I think the 11th year now. So uh, it's, it's started back, you know, I was between the trail dogs, the, the group that I run with, there's kind of um, not quite sure when it actually kind of started. We kind of picked 2003 as when it kind of officially started. So a little over 20 years ago, uh, Font 
is just the, the mashup of the original race director's names, Phil and Hunt. They mashed their names together, much like the hat run was created. So they started this fat ass event back in 2003. I think the first year they had like 10 finishers. It, you know, steadily, steadily grew for a fat ass. So maybe got up to 50, 100 runners, 150 runners, 200 runners. So fast forward, you know, 11 years uh, ago, uh, Phil was retiring, Hunt was changing jobs so uh you know they were looking for somebody to kind of uh take it over within the trail dogs club um nobody really kind of raised their hand so after running so many events with the trail dogs um and volunteering in some fashion i kind of slowly raised my hand up and as they say uh the rest is history um i mean she's described the grace has described fun as a, a you know smooth well-oiled machine and Trust me, the first couple of years, we were definitely, uh, you know, learning what the kinks were and, and working them out and everything. So um, confident to say, though, this this felt like, I think, wholeheartedly um, the, one of the smoothest years ever and the most fun races here the last couple of years that we can remember. So, yeah, so that's where we are today. It kind of transitioned from a, a fat-ass event when it first started in 2003. Now um pleased to say uh we you know sell out a year in advance so you know 2025 is you know 11 and a half months away and we're sold out so that's it's awesome from my perspective well yeah and what's I your guess. what's your entrance right now eight seven eight hundred yeah we got about a little over 800 right now um signed up and that's kind of what we aimed for uh this past you know the past race that just finished right around 800 now um over the months leading up to the actual event itself grace we had you know several you know drop offs so leading up to race day we had about 700 that were theoretically going to show up and then actually on race day we had 526 so it could have been the yeah. weather could have been the weather lack of training or or running on the gravel a combination of all three that that kept you know about 200 people away but uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Where, that's where we are nowadays wow so i want to hear i want to hear any good stories you have from uh, from as long <laughs> as you've been race directing the race <laughs> and without throwing anybody under the bus i mean try to keep an anonymous i guess but what are yeah <laughs> anything to stand out to you as far as during the race um before the race reasons people drop anything like that give us the good stuff oh gosh uh all right so i'm gonna um i'll probably start with um and again i'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus it it's it's just a a story of a situation that occurred. Uh, it's probably near and dear to my wife's heart. By the way, my wife, she kind of runs the uh, kitchen. So she handles mm -hmm. all of the volunteers within the heated activity hall as far as making that run smoothly. So uh, she's a uh, cafeteria worker for the local school district. So she knows the ins and outs of how to run a run a uh, kitchen but the story was this, this was a couple of years ago uh one of the runners i think predominantly was probably a road runner was looking for their results and if anybody spent any time around any sort of trail races we know that unlike road races result results aren't necessarily instantaneous now in this case the timing company that we're using were doing a very fine job of posting the race results live and everything. Uh, unfortunately, the, the postings were actually outside the heated activity hall. Uh, so the, the runner was looking for, you know, her race results. And, uh, you know, it was explained to her that, uh, you know, they're actually outside next to the timing official and everything. And uh, they explained like, oh, you know, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to go back outside in the cold and everything. And it, like, lady, you just spent two hours running around in the cold. You know, if, you, <laughs> if your results are that important to you, walk walk the 50 feet out to the timing official and get your race results. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, she, she you know, and, you know, that's, you know, 
one of quite a few, but that was kind of near and dear to my my wife's heart because she was having to deal with it front and center. She's trying to get lentil soup heated up, chili heated yeah. up, hot, hot dogs heated up, and somebody's asking why their you know results aren't instantaneously right there for them. So yeah, yeah. And your wife, she is amazing. Everything that she does for this event. The after party is awesome, especially considering it's in January. So it's cold outside, but we're in a heated activity hall. There's a DJ. People do dance. I was one of them last year. <laughs> and you have fresh French fries. Nobody else does French fries. You actually have French fries at one of the aid stations, which is just unheard of. Fresh French fries and then all kinds of soups. I mean, the the spread is huge at the end of this race and the spread at every aid station is huge. So I just want to throw that out there. I've never seen a spread like this. And you you have French fryers that you bring to this thing, right? Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, you'll probably hear this co common theme as I talk here over the next couple of minutes. Um, I'm all about not reinventing the wheel. So uh, mm -hmm. when, when you say um, we have French fries, Yes, but I want to make sure I stole that from the hat run. You know, when when I was in shape <laughs> running ultras and everything, um, and, you know, when I was finished with hat and everything, first thing I got was some hot French fries and everything. I'm like, oh my god! So uh, that's one of the things I stole from from a, another local race is is like the French it. fries and everything. So why, why reinvent the wheel? You know, it's a salty food that everybody wants to take in and everything, and it's in the dead of winter. You know, when when we're doing it, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we put it on a nice, nice spread in the heated activity hall. And uh, my sons, uh, Andrew and, and Nick, they started 11 years ago, young kids learning how to use the fryers and everything now. And now the both of them, they're 22 and soon to be 20 years old. Those were two were the only two that were running the fryers the whole entire day, which was just, you know, phenomenal to see them grow from, you know, middle-aged kids to, to, you know, a couple of young adults that, you know, I can wipe my hands of it. And I know that the fries going to get just going to keep on coming. Um, they're going to be there for all the, all the runners and everything. So um, yeah, I definitely can't, can't do it without the family, but back to the, the hall. Yeah. So the, the location is perfect. If you're going to have a, a race in the dead of winter, but, you know, have, you know, have it, you know, some amenities that are going to be, you know, valued by your runners and everything. So that hall is heated. We got inside um, bathrooms, you know, we got a full, full spread of food. And as you mentioned before, the DJ, Kyle has been my DJ for the past 11 years. We actually met him through scouting when we were doing Boy Scouts. So it's uh, definitely much a, a friends and family sort of vibe and affair that puts it on. How, how many pounds of French fries do you purchase? <coughs> That's a great question. I purchased this year and it was a little short. Again, one of the mistakes that I made thinking because last year I had um, extra, I ended up purchasing 210 pounds. Now, um, I was thinking uh, 210 pounds for 500 runners and volunteers. That's, you know, that's like half a pound of fries on average per, per runner. And the year before I ordered like 240 and I had extra service. I was thinking, ah, 210 will be perfect spot on. Well, we blew through the 210 and I ended up having to run to my local grocery store to, and, and buy some more bags of, of French fries to keep it going and everything. So next year, I'll probably err on the side of caution and probably get about 280. Wow. We also do mm -hmm. we also do breaded mushrooms and and nuggets and and onion rings and everything. I mean the fryers are there. You might as well take advantage of them and everything. Yeah, I was gonna say you got the deep fryer hot. You can open up yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, church jars. I mean, once I mean it takes takes um, a, a while to get it heated up and everything. But uh, again, uh, I mean beforehand, Grace and and you kind of reached out and said, oh, you know what makes front run so smoothly? We're I'd like to think we're learning from every year. So for example, last year, we finally, we finally um, pulled the trigger on getting this, um, and I'm gonna, you know, huge ass jet 
fryer. There's a company down in outside Houston that makes these jet fryers for like seafood boils and whatnot. And they have this, you know, uh, you know, this homegrown monstrosity that they built with jet tubes, the whole nine yards. And, um, you know, it costs probably three times as much as one of your regular, you know, fryers you get at Cabela's and everything, but it, it was worth it. We had a big ass pot on it. We, you know, was able to get the oil, you know, warm quickly, kept, you know, kept going strong and everything. So it's, um, it's, you know, learning, you know, year after year, what, you know, what, what is needed to, to make everything run smoothly on race day. That, that being one example. Now your, yeah. oh. your aid stations, is it pretty much the same groups cover the same aid stations every year? Are you lucky? Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm also lucky that way. So, um, you know, again, I, I mentioned the kind of the friends and family aspect for the past well, really, the past you know ten years or so, I've had the same groups running the aid station. So, uh, Rob Bartholomew and his wife Kathy are the aid station captains mm -hmm. for Aid Station One. You might know Rob and Kathy from doing all the trail maintenance on the Mason Dixon line. Yep. Um, but yep. Great, great stewards there. They run Aid Station One. It's always kind of a, an army, you know, mash sort of theme based on you know his days in the army and everything. So, uh, Aid Station Two or has been run the last couple of years by um, Ali and Alberto Vasquez. So great, you know, great, you know, couple that have been coming to the uh, trail dog events here for the last you know twenty years, and they put their hands up as far as running Aid Station Two, and then. Aid Station 3 uh, kind of um, bop in and out, but um, Kenny and Heather Dassault have been um, doing that aid station here for the past yeah, four, four or five years. So, um, and, you know, honestly, that's one of, you know, one of, I think, our successes, or I like to think my, you know, the, the secret to our secret in the sauce is, is having, uh, you know, volunteers that you can trust in kind of share the same sort of vision of what you want, you know, to happen and transpire on their own tweaks to it and everything. They're the subject matter experts. So I kind of wash my hands of all the aid stations and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, just having, you know, those relationships with those, those volunteers and, and friends, I, I can, you know, it's just one less thing off of my, you know, head that I need to to worry about. So now you you say that, but I remember working. Now this year I got to work aid station four, which was fun. But I remember working aid station three, and you yeah. driving around and bringing us pizza and beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you, you guys were, you know, your aid station three, which was the most remote, is not easy to get in and out of there quickly and everything. So. Um, you know, the race is only going to be successful if I have volunteers that are feeling valued and appreciated and want to return back the next year. So mm -hmm. the least I could do is bring you some, you know, lukewarm pizza and beer, Grace. So I mean, that's, that's my <laughs> perspective. You're the one that's sitting out, out in the cold all day while I get to drive around in a heated, heated, uh, car or going to the activity hall, make sure everything's going on. So um, I, ha I have it easy, easy on race day. Whereas, you know, and it, I recall right last year, it was pretty cold too last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cold. And now yeah. this year I was at aid station four, which was nice because we could just pop into the activity hall and grab some food. But um, I did notice something new at the aid stations and I wanted to talk about this. Yeah, um, sure. We had asparagus. <laughs> How did that happen? Our, you know, it, it, you know, it kind of, you know, again, we like to tweak it every year, and you know, we're we're not going to have everything under the sun, but I'm beginning to realize that not every runner is going to be fueled by Cheez Its and mm. and um, M and M's. Uh, you know, we you know we have you know vegetarians and vegans, folks that are gluten sensitive, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, ah, maybe maybe something a little more you know healthier. So last year, just by a whim, I you know got a box of uh, pickles. Well, you know usually you know you know that you know, the pickle juice usually goes much more in, in hotter, you know, warmer events and everything. I didn't think, 
that we were going to go through pickles like we did last year. But, you know, apparently they love them at the aid station. So I figured, all right, well, we'll get some pickles this year. And then, uh, you know what? I personally like pickled asparagus. So I figured, ah, maybe, you know, maybe maybe somebody else will like pickled asparagus. So tr- tried <laughs> tried something. I'm not sure how many um, containers I had left. I know I unpacked yesterday. I found one bottle unopened, but I'm not sure if, uh, I don't think it was a huge, huge hit. So I'm not sure we'll do it next year or anything. We had, we had fun trying to convince people to have pickled asparagus and we did get a couple of takers and we, we got a photo evidence. (laughs) That might've been the only picture though. And probably the only person trying it. So yeah, I mean, mean, I've had some misses over the years as far as what we've offered and everything. So. It's not far off from pickles, let's face it. So yeah. you were talking about just straight asparagus. I'm like, well, they're not going to get much from that. But pickles, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got the salt and the sodium. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so more more wild stories of things oh. that you've seen. Oh, okay. Well, I get, you know, I'm going to, I'm not sure you're going to see things that I've seen, but it's something I've experienced. And this is probably, you know, it'll probably be a, a laugh for you, but um, I call it uh, Fucklegate. Um, PH, you say instead of buckle, fuckle. So a couple of years ago, yes. probably about six years ago, I offered a uh, metal, a finisher's metal that was also a buckle. Now, mm-hmm. you would have, you would have, thought um it was the most sacrilegious thing that i have you know that was ever conceived of offering Mm -hmm. a belt buckle for um something that wasn't a 50 or or 100 miler now personally Mm -hmm. i i personally wouldn't wear a a buckle unless you know i had earned a 100 mile finish but you know i find it a little uh, hypocrisy of you know trail runners and ultra runners that are like you know anti-establishment man let's just like do our <laughs> own thing and everything got so bent out of shape about the fact that you know a, a an event that was offering a buckle for a distance that was only 50k or, or 25k so there was yeah. such a, a, a shit storm that transpired from and i just i just loved it i just ate it up and you know just to get people talking about it most oh how, how can they be doing you know doing this and everything you know not on you know i'll, ne- I'll never run you know fun again I'll, I'll never accept that you know meanwhile you could just use it as a metal too it's on it it was on a mm-hmm. lanyard on a ribbon just put it up on your wall if you you know don't want to you know use it as a I remember that. That was yeah. hilarious. Oh, <laughs> and your yeah, buckles yeah. are huge. The or not the buckle or the metal, whatever it is. It's always gigantic, and it's usually a two-in-one. Like it's a metal and a coaster, or a metal yep. and a bottle opener. Like they're yep. yeah. they're, they're like almost as big as my head. Yeah, <laughs> no, maybe half the size. Yeah. I have a big head. Yeah. They're like half the size of my head. <laughs> so, so yeah, so yeah, Fucklegate, that was a pretty interesting one. I'm looking at my notes here as well. So, um, you know, some of the issues that we've dealt with over the years that have just been headaches mm-hmm. for us is as great as that at heated activity hall is, the electrical system in it just mm-hmm. sucks. It's, you know, uh, a, you know, basically a 4-H barn activity hall that was a hall that was probably built at least 30 years ago. So when you would put roasting pans on the same circuit, it was just tripping all the fuses and everything else like that. So we dealt with that for, when I say we, my wife dealt with that for two or three three years. And then about year three, it's like, you need to find something more permanent solution to, to deal with that. And because we'd end up having to take the roasting pans, put them on the complete other opposite side of the activity hall, just so it wouldn't trip the circuit breakers and everything. Coffee urns, same thing. So finally, you know, again, you know, things running smoothly. It wasn't always the case when we were first starting out. So um, Mm -hmm. it's probably been about five or six years now, but I finally, I bit the bullet and I bought a used big ass 500 pound generator. I only Mm -hmm. run it you know basically eight hours you know one one time per year but it, it runs the the hall we run 
you know, heavy duty extension cords in it. It's got, you know, 50 amp circuit. It's got two 30 amp circuits. It's got, um, no, it's got three 30 amp circuits. Excuse me. It, it, yeah, it, it can, you know, it can handle all the roasting pans, all the urns and everything, you know, one, one less mm -hmm. headache and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was a big one because, you know, that, that was a fun having to, it, you know, move, you know, stuff around the activity hall when you got like 150 people in your way trying to get it to the next uh, outlet. And again, to be fair, it, it was the, the volunteers in the activity hall that really had to deal with that, you know, more than myself. So, um, again, want to make their lives easier as well as make the user experience better. So um, it was a no brainer as far as to get the generator. Uh, let's see here. One, other, let me see if there's any other thing that was going on here. Um, little interesting, um, just a an issue I had to deal with. And, you know, I like to think that the race comes off as being a very inclusive, environment mm -hmm. you know we we have you know we have we have people that can get on the podium and other races and we have back of the pack people that need eight or nine hours to finish but yeah. um it's a welcoming inclusive environment several several years ago i got approached by an adaptive athlete that was wanting to participate in and yeah fun. never never had dealt with that situation before so i had to kind of work through that kind of situation and, and scenario. So long and short of it, I reached out to USATF to get a little bit of guidance. Also reached out to a couple of um, uh, folks in the adaptive athlete community to, to get their, um, you know, perspective and understanding on it. Um, long story short, um, you, know, you know, we would uh, allow the adaptive athlete to participate if they wanted to. Unfortunately, the equipment that they were going to use was strictly built for road events, not, mm. not acceptable for uh, trails. It might have been acceptable for, for gravel, but we were running, you know, we were doing single track trails and everything. So, um, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, unfortunately, I had, to, I had to deliver that unfortunate message is you're welcome to attend you just have the, you have to be using the most um uh, you know appropriate equipment for it which what you have right now is not appropriate for the situation that that was not a fun message to deliver one iota I, you know don't want us to be a, a hindrance but having to you know kind of work through that uh, you know issue or headache whatever you want to call it that that was yeah uh, yeah it was learning for me you know the one thing that we did do though is you know again we try to be all about inclusiveness so one of the experts that i kind of reached out to the community i said hey listen let's you know let's demonstrate that it can be done with the right equipment so i comped them an entry they came down from uh i think they're up in the new hampshire area with an off-road you know um vehicle for lack of a better word you know a pedaled you know hand pedaled vehicle and they were able to you know manage the the course um with no issues whatsoever so uh, that was kind of interesting to see so um that's the only know. time we've had a, had an adaptive athlete but you know they're welcome back any any time well what a great learning experience and then also you know uh great of you to reach out to those resources and just get help with managing through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, never, you know, when I signed up to be race director, never thought in my wildest dream that I'd have to, you know, deal with these sorts of kind of questions and issues. And But that's a reality that race directors face. You know, the other one that mm -hmm. is probably front and center on everybody's mind is non-binary participants. So how, yep. how, do you, how, do you, how do you approach that? How do you deal with that? So um, yeah. again, again, we're an inclusive environment. So the one thing that I started last Last year was having a non-binary, um, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you know, uh, section and everything. So um, mm -hmm. we've, we we actually have had a couple of participants that did put non-binary as a registration and everything. So you, you know, it, you know, it, it's it's something that need you know needs to be offered mm -hmm. and everything. So yeah, yeah, it's an easy enough switch. And, and I think exactly you do have too. 
you do have a very inclusive um, environment, I think, with people from the front and the back of the pack. And in fact, one year, I will just throw this out there. I did, I did get a selfie with Maggie Guterres. Um, oh, yeah. Bin, because Maggie <laughs> has also raced bunt. And so you get, yeah. you get the very front of the pack coming yeah, to the some, race. Yeah, yeah, some yes, yeah, some some years we do when Maggie was living in the area, she she she'd frequent uh front on many occasions and everything and keep inviting her back, but for some reason she wants to you know run those <laughs> awesome trails in Colorado versus you know these rolling hills of Maryland and everything. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we've had some some um you know upper, you know, upper, you know, caliber participants and everything. And as you said, we've had <laughs> you know, back in the pack too, as well. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, run, runs the gamut, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the whole gist of your podcast too. You got Eric in the front and Grace in the back. Mm -hmm. So that's right. It, and it's a combo that works, you know? So you were saying just for people that don't know, uh, apparently you have two different courses for when it, it's a, a nasty muddy year or what? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Pretty much so. Yeah. So, uh, the, um, park, um, uh, is, just fantastic stewards of the of the park and for the folks that don't know fair hill is a 5600 acre park that has over 80 miles of single track you could probably pull off um have to look at the maps to be sure but actually had a local runner that tried to run all of the um single track recently in there and I'm, i think he got at least up to 70 miles but anyways 80 miles of single track there and they also within it have gravel roads and things of that nature so the uh park you know leading up to the event we'll be watching the weather both how much rain we've gotten um beforehand and how much is anticipated you know a few few days you know just before the event so as it turns out, we got walled with a whole bunch of rain a couple weeks before for the event, and then yeah, didn't have, didn't have much drying out as well. And you know, we got another two inches of three inches of rain just a couple days before the event. So uh, as a result of that, we switched the alternate route, which is um, you know gravel and and pasture and everything. As it turns out, the weather on Saturday it was uh, dropping temps. And it was real windy, and um, you know, Grace. I'm not sure if you've ever run the alternate route, but as you test, you can attest by just being a volunteer out there on a gravel mm -hmm. road, you don't get much protection out on those gravel roads. No. You, so no. you, you had, yeah. I mean, we lost probably five pop-up canopies because the gusts were that um, that bad, and yeah. you know. All the runners were having to deal with those same dust going across the that open open pastures and, and gravel roads and everything. So um, yeah, they weren't challenged by roots and rocks on single track, but you know they had you know twenty miles an hour winds in their face to de to deal with. I I have run both courses, so I I did run it the last time it was on gravel. Okay, and then uh, the year after I ran it on the single track, and. <clears throat> I also want to note this. I have run a race that did not use an alternate course. And I very much appreciate the alternate course. I won't say what race it was, but they should have shut it down. And they didn't. They allowed people to continue running. The, the trails were absolutely torn up. They were destroyed. They had to bring people in to fix the trails. And there was a mountain bike race the next weekend. There were... Um, bridges that had broken slats and uh, it was really disappointing. Like that's not why we run. There's this, this whole kind of mentality of, you know, I signed up, want to get my money's worth. I also, you know, go hard or whatever. <clears throat> and, and, and uh, I don't know, I just didn't care for it. You know, we, we, we go there to run with the trails and if the trails if it's not working out that day, then it's just fine to have a plan B. You still get to have fun. You still get to hang out with cool people. You still get the aid stations. And so I really love that you have that backup plan. I think that races um, that continue on when they very much should not, um, it's, it's disappointing. And I hope they don't do that in the future. <laughs> I saw it and it was bad. It was bad. 
I quit when I saw it happening. I was like, this is not, uh, uh, and I left. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all situational too, depending on who, what property yeah. it's on and stuff. I mean, yep. I've, I've been to a, a few races that is like you're saying, just <laughs> up to your knees mud because a storm's coming through and just not expected, but yeah, you gotta, I guess you gotta call it at some point and realize you're doing a lot more damage than it's worth. Yeah, it depends on the yeah. the area and the trail. Some amount of foot traffic is really helpful for the trail, um, but there comes a point where it's just like, what are what are we doing here? So I like to I like that there's that backup gravel course, and it gets me thinking about my races and like, oh my goodness, what am I? I need to have a backup ready to go so I can <laughs> switch to it. Uh, so I appreciate you that you do it because it has me thinking. Yeah. But you know, that's a perfect example. When you ran it, Grace, we did not have really a backup plan, and we were kind of notified, you know, a few days before the event of like, you know, you can't use the single track. We're like, oh shit, what do we do? So my <laughs> my uh course director, good friend of mine, Pete McLaughlin. He, he was actually um, out, you know, out of town, you know, his, his son was um, graduating from basic training and everything. And in a hotel room, he mapped out on the gravel routes, a, a course for us to, to mark and everything. And we ended up doing it. Nice. Now, as it turned out, runners got an extra mile um, instead yep. of doing, <laughs> doing 25K, they probably did 27K. So um, yeah. we didn't charge we didn't charge them anymore for that, but uh, they they were pleasantly <laughs> well maybe not pleasantly surprised, but they were surprised on race day when they got to fifteen point five and they still had about a month another mile to go and everything. So uh, I remember that learned, mile. <laughs> yeah, we we learned we learned from that. The course on Saturday was fifteen point six miles, um, based on the best G, you know GPS info info that we had and everything. And I didn't hear mm -hmm. any kind of complaints this year about it being long longer. No. So. Um, but yeah, but I mean, the first go around, you know, it wasn't smooth. You know, we, we, you know, had to, you know, kind of scramble at the 11th hour to put in a gravel rope. But again, we learned about the process. We're like, oh shit, yeah. we, we need to be, we need to be prepared for the next time it happens and everything. And, you know, Pete, a couple of years ago, came up with this updated revised, you know, gravel route. Able, able to implement it instantaneously. No, you know, our marking crews had no problems doing it. Boom, boom, boom. And it went went smoothly this time around. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, when you when you've been around this long, it's I'm sure certain part aspects of uh getting this race ready go pretty smoothly because of the your the help you have and the volunteers you have. Yeah, very, very, very much so. You know, if, you know, I guess the one, I mean, the one thing that I could probably be more efficient as, as is, uh, I wouldn't quite say that I'm relearning something that I, I learned uh, 12 months ago, but because this is the only race that I currently race direct. And to be clear, mm -hmm. I don't, don't have any plans to do any more in the foreseeable future. You're kind of having to dust off you know, your knowledge that you kind of put away 12 months earlier and everything. So, whereas if right. you're a seasoned race director that was doing doing races every six or eight weeks and everything, you'd probably be a little bit more efficient about it. So, um, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. When you just race direct one, one event, you're just going to have to deal with, you know, kind of dusting off the cobwebs and everything. So, like even simple stuff like, all right, how do I log into my USATF account again? And and where is it? Do I go to, to get my sanctioning? So, um, but I mean, that's first world problems, right? You know, in the grand scheme yeah, of things, yeah. rem remembering how to use a, a website in the grand scheme of things is pr pretty, pr pretty rough to have yeah. as far as problems. Now, uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask about, because when I think of inclusivity, one of the things that I think as race directors that um, we have an opportunity to be more mindful of is the price of races. So making sure that races are affordable, that means that you are more inclusive um, to uh, people who either, you know, uh, for whatever reason, maybe, maybe they just choose not to spend a ton of money on races um, or they can't afford races. So 
in my mind, when I think of inclusivity, it's also the the cost of races and Funt is very affordable. And for everything that you offer, how are you pulling that off? It makes no sense to me. I mean, I know you just accumulate stuff over the years, probably being underneath trail dogs helps. Um, but the swag is amazing. The medals are huge. Uh, the aid stations are awesome. And then the, the cost of the race is pretty affordable. Uh, yeah, I mean, the short, short reply to that is thanks. I really appreciate you noticing that kind of the, the longer answer to that was, you know, the price is it being relatively affordable is a little bit has to do with where Funt was 20 years ago and how the Trail Dogs are as an organization. We're, the Trail Dogs is a very informal club here in the Maryland, Delaware, PA area. And historically, we've put on fat ass events where you just kind of show up mm -hmm. and, and run. Funt being one of them one of the kind of issues I faced early on, you know, again, this is 11 years ago, was changing the mindset of shifting from a, you know, show up and run badass to, no, this is going to be a race that you have to pay for, and it's going to be more regimented and everything. So again, a little bit kind of a, the trail runner, ultra runner kind of, you know, you know, anarchist kind of mindset of what you know let's you know just you know just you know do it on our own and, and have a you know a fat ass fun fun event fun went to something like oh shit i gotta sign up and oh, i gotta mm -hmm. pay money money for it i can't just show up with a can of pringles and, and be done <laughs> so so when when we started um kind of charging for fun we were very cognizant of the fact that we we're shifting the mindset of what fun used to be to, to mm -hmm. what it is so we you know kind of wanted to charge the bare minimum if you will to to to, to break even you know so um you know i'm not making any money off of it um by any stretch of the imagination now we are the you know, trail dogs are getting um extra fun funds from fun which go to pay for the other fat ass events that we hold through the, the year number one number two maybe a lot of people don't know it because we don't, haven't really publicized it but um the mason dixon trail system we um actually uh donated uh, uh monetary amount to them a couple of years ago so they could buy new trail maintenance equipment as well um so wow. yeah so hopefully we're using those funds uh, the right way in the right way that, you know, kind of the trail dogs kind of envisioned, if you will. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the other thing that I do to kind of keep, keep the cost down is I get, you know, get, get, you know, uh, sponsors and whatnot. There's a local mm -hmm. distributor, distributor here in Elkton, Maryland that gives us, you know, gobs of free, free beer and everything, which is helpful. Um, wow. I, um, I have a you know membership at Restaurant Depot, so I can buy large quantities of uh, French fries and hot dogs uh, really cheap. You know, you can get a lot of sourcing done, legitimate sourcing too, overseas, and get a fairly inexpensive quality um, merchandise uh, from overseas as well. As it turns out, I use a um, awards company up in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, um, that I get all all my stuff through. Now they actually outsource this to 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 vendors mm -hmm. over over in China and everything. But it, the the end result is is affordable, you know, medals and things mm -hmm. that we can we can offer to our participants as well as our volunteers and everything. So hopefully you're able to pick up one of the hoodies um, that we got did. Our volunteers this year. And, uh, and uh, you know, we also have the palm beanies and the buffs that we offer too and everything. So um, again, we're trying to give as much value as we can for that $40. And then also try to give as much value to the volunteers that bust their ass for the eight or 12 mm -hmm. hours on, on race day. So to keep them, keep them coming back year after year. So, yeah, I love it. And it's, I think it is a mentality that, um, there are some regions that have it certainly, 
Um, York County picks that up as well. We've got a lot of small kind of inexpensive yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I appreciate those. I think they're important to have a mix and there's nothing wrong with a, a race that is a little more expensive too. Um, but I appreciate having races around that, that, uh, you know, that, that you can get good stuff. It is connected to the community and also you don't have to mortgage your home to afford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, I know that your race has been on my list for since I started running in 2016. One of these days, I'll make it down. Yeah, yeah, you should. You know, I mean, again, it, you know, the one thing about the, the race for a, you know, I, I'm always amazed the breadth of the the runners that we, you know, mm -hmm. um, show up. We have, you know. Trail purists, you know, people that are used to running Mason Dick Dixon, Conestoga, yeah. and they'll still show up to run, you know, these rolling hills, <laughs> you know, of, of you know, Fairhill. But then you get people that are downstate in the Delmarva Peninsula who come up yeah. here and like, oh my God, I got a hundred foot climb here. This is, you know, this is going to be a, a challenging day for me. I just, the, the two ends of the spectrum that show up, it just, I'm just fascinated by it that uh, both ends of the spectrum will, will show up for the same, same event. And I don't just, get it. I don't yeah. understand it, Carl. I love the Mason Dixon and the Conestoga. Those are my stomping grounds and they oh, are yeah. absolutely beautiful. And I got to tell you, your course is not my favorite at all. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, the I race is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, again, there's nothing, you know, nothing unique or special about no. those, you know, no. trails or anything. So, um, I, you know, I'm not sure what it is that, you, you know, people, people want to come for. So, I mean, it's, I just think it's seeing all your other friends there and, and just having yeah. a good festive time, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's its own animal in itself. Now from when I first started, <clears throat> started running, not that long ago, Funt was one of those ones where I knew that if I had to do it, I needed to know a year in advance. And just that alone gave gave it this special like oh my gosh if I, I this race must be big because i have to be prepared to commit to it a full year in advance and you know because of that it's it, it makes it a little more difficult for a lot of people myself to to, to jump into doing it every year but it, it's funny because i i wonder what that is is it do people you know panic and, and sign up for it because it sells out every year i don't know or is it yeah. egg station food and the French fries, which that's what I would be coming down for. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and maybe it's, you know, a different answer for the uh, different participant and everything, you know, so, yeah. you know, uh, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, that's probably, probably what it is and everything. So like, um, yeah, you're probably coming down to see your buddies drink beer in a hall, listen to music and, and eat, eat French fries and everything. You're, you're not, you know, you're not using fun as far as a specific workout for your next 50 or 100 miler and everything so you, you know you're, you're there to have fun so well keep doing what you're doing because it's working and uh, i appreciate that and don't be shy to sign up on the wait list because one of the things that happened this year is we had a lot of drops and we we're able to move people off the wait list so if you know in this fall if your schedule is looking a little more you know concrete and everything eric you know you're not going to do yourself any harm by hopping on the wait list. Yeah. How deep did you go this year on the wait list? Oh, let's see. I had probably about 70 people on the wait list that ended up blowing through. I mean, we had that, you know, you know, when you sign up for a race literally a year out, um, you blew through that, you know, that, I mean, it got to, it got to a point where, I, you know, let me put it this way. I had, anticipated 800 runners showing up and that's how many medals i ordered you know the week before the event i had 700 on paper signed up for it so and then actually on race day only 526 showed up right. so yeah so there's there's yeah there's a, a couple of people that pinged me two days beforehand and said hey can i get in and everything and we gave them blank bib but yeah they were able to able to get in and, and run it and everything it's good to know, Grace. I'm coming yeah. to your house next year. <laughs> I keep telling you. 
I keep telling you to come down. Although you got to come down sometime and run the Mason Dixon or the Conestoga. This guy, the one time he's come down to York County to race, he did the Robberitos run, which was a road run. Terrible, terrible oh, idea. Yeah. They have great burritos. Uh, must, that must have been the draw, draw for Eric is the burritos, I guess. <laughs> It was. It was. <laughs> that, that was like a burrito to burrito run, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing it again this year. It's um from there's four raw burritos in York County and there's one in Lancaster County now too. And it's running from burrito to burrito place and you eat a burrito at every one of them. Oh my God. <laughs> we have terrible races down here. Great races. It's an awesome race. It is a lot of fun. And I, I think it's going to be St. Patrick's Day weekend, I think. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I enjoyed it. The burritos were delicious. The weather was cold and windy. The last the last burrito in the last section of miles was, was rough, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway. Crazy, we got to wrap crazy it up. Crazy races. Wrap it up. Crazy race. races. All righty. Well, thanks for coming on, Carl. I oh, appreciate it. I love, I love learning from you because you do such a great job with Funt and all the volunteers are amazing and the runners are amazing. And I'll be back again next year. It's so fun. Awesome. Great to hear. Thank you so much. And bring Eric with you next year, hopefully. I'm yes, going to I promise you, I'm, it's it's on my close radar. It's just a matter of getting down. The, one of the biggest problems for me is the weather for me to Dropping yeah. through the state this time of year or the time of year the front fund is is pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it from him because I had to. Dr I drove all the way up to. I didn't drive actually. I hitched a ride with my friends who drove all the way up to Wellsboro last weekend. <laughs> Terrible. I'm on it. You're right. I'm on it, Grace. Okay. It's gonna be a party. Excuses. Well, thanks right. for having thanks, me on. Carl. My pleasure. Thanks, Carl. Take care. Have a great day. See ya. Okay. So, Eric, what are yeah. you doing this weekend? Um, I don't have anything planned this weekend. So, Casey turned 13 today. Woo, she, Casey! She's having a sleepover in my garage where the aid station was on oh, Saturday night. And she's having, like, seven girlfriends over. Awesome. I'm trying to figure out a way of getting out of town. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm half considering running somewhere new on Saturday um, within a few hours of here and maybe sleeping in my truck or something and then mm -hmm. running in the morning. It's just yeah. a thought. I'm not sure what the weather's doing yet, but if, if the weather is somewhat favorable, anybody out there mm -hmm. want to host me or take me on a trail that I haven't been on, reach out to me because I'm, I was kind of leaning towards that. But other than that, um, I don't know. You? I can't run your speed, but I highly recommend doing bridge to bridge on the Mason Dixon. There you go. 32 miles of beauty. Gets off the nobody, nobody from the north believes us that our, our trails are pretty down here. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> you will. You'll see you one day. What are you doing, Grace? You're doing you're doing two big things. You, you've had a very big weekend. And Monday and yeah. Tuesday. So, yeah. What are your actual plans for this coming weekend? Is there anything non-running plans or what? Um, running plans. I'll probably do the Jacobus Five Miler, um, which is part of the Winter Series. So I'll hop into that, and then uh, Jason and I are going out Saturday night to his friend is having a birthday party, and his friend is also a DJ, and he's very very good. So we're probably going to go out. It'll be a lot of fun. That's it. Cool. Five mile running. Hey, that's good enough. I'm going to do, do a five miler after this, and, and it's a road race. I'm super excited. Mm. All right. <laughs> well, next week, next Monday, we have a, a, a guest on who has a weight loss story that we're going to talk about. Um, it's a good yes. one. And we all have our stories and our, our whys, and it's it's kind of mm -hmm. an inspirational story so that should be a good show and i guess i'll see you again then it was great seeing you this weekend i'm yeah. kind of raced out at this point but i mean i'll get over are you it. going to frozen snot oh my god i'll see you there too 
Yeah. Yeah. Going- give me my coat. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm going to Frozen Snot. I'm, I signed up so I can bring you your coat and your cute little scarf. Thank Maybe you. Maybe I'll whole race in your scarf and coat. I don't know. Aww. I have like a van load of left behind stuff that I need to bring to Frozen Snot to hand out to people. Because you idiots can't remember just pack your stuff up when you're done and leave with all your stuff. You know... You said to just like come in, make it like home, and I did. Yeah. And I left my coat and my scarf. Well, you should have left more stuff in your pockets because I checked and there wasn't any money in there or anything like that. No, there was nothing in my pockets. Just bring it to fun or bring it to. I'm now I'm all confused. Frozen snot. Bring it to frozen snot. Fine, whatever. Be quiet. All right, I'll see you. I'll see you next Monday, and then I'll see you at Frozen Snot. Awesome. See you. Bye. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Have a good week. See ya. Boop, boop. Boop, boop.